anyway this body is taken to be i because it is sentient that is understandable the question is is the sentiency of the body on account of itself or is there something else because of which the body is sentient anyantaratma pranamaya tasmadva etasmad anarasmayat anyantaratma pranamaya so hey as compared to this body that is a modification of food there is another self which is within and which is subtler than that and that is pranamaya the self made of prana so first is the self made of the food or the modification of food this is my first knowledge and then they say when we inquire as to what is it because of which the self made of food is sentient then when we come to understand that it is prana it is prana this vital air because of which this the food the body itself made of food is sentient and what it is because of the presence of prana because of the presence of the vital air because we know that when the prana departs when the prana the vital is no more in the body the body is not sentient is no more looked upon itself and therefore what is it that makes me look upon this body as a self it is that prana prana means that vital air the life life breath <coughs> and that is inside and subtler than this and it is because of which the body is sentient and therefore truly speaking it is that prana which should be looked upon as a self and the question is all right are these pranas self must be conscious being no doubt it must be innermost it must be independent this is generally what i understand that the self must be conscious being must be innermost aspect of myself and it must be independent is prana is this life breath is it the innermost now prana is that which also manifests as the breathing in breathing out and which is also responsible for all the physiological functions in my body that prana or the vital air is it conscious because sentient because of itself is it independent is it the subtle then the answer is no there is even another aspect of my being which is what we call the mind and this prana's function is directed by the mind it is mind that decides let us say that i am sitting here in my chair and the bell rings and my mind says hey come on go and open the door so mind directs the prana the vital energy to open therefore the legs stand up they walk all the movements of limbs all of this is possible because of the vital air and these movements of the limbs all of these take place not independently but as directed by the mind and therefore it is mind that is inner subtler independent controlling with reference to the prana and therefore it is mind that should properly be looked upon as a self but is mind independent is it the innermost or the subtlest aspect of my being oh subtler than mind is even the intellect intellect is a knowing faculty the thinking faculty it is where all knowledge takes place that is where all my judgments and conclusions take place so even the mind also when it thinks various emotions of the mind entertains various impulses of the mind very often displays all of these also are guided or controlled by yet another faculty which is what we call intellect because my emotions also are based on the various conclusions that i have about myself and about the life see the way i respond suppose i meet somebody the way i respond either with affection or with aversion all of these is the mind but how did the affection aversion when how did all of these get created because of the conclusions that i have in my intellect based on whatever experiences i gain and therefore even the emotions of the mind also are controlled by i can change them if i can if i learn and come to know things in a different way my emotions also change the way i respond to the things also change <coughs> changes and thus it is intellect which is inner subtler controller even with reference to the mind is an intellect 
the knowing, the thinking faculty, the doing faculty, is it the subtlest aspect of my being? He says, no, you're the intellect. So, Maitri Upanishad explains, how intellect is a place where all knowledge takes place. It is also a place where the sense of doership is there. So all the actions are performed by the intellect, or the knowledge also is gained by the intellect. But, is there something that even motivates the intellect to pursue certain knowledge? says, yes, there is yet a subtler aspect of my being, which desires or demands that, hey, I want to get that. I want to gain happiness. This aspect says, for gaining happiness, I require a given thing. To get that thing, I must perform this particular action. For performing that action, I must have this kind of knowledge or skills. So we find that even the pursuit of knowledge that we have in our life is really so that we can perform different kinds of actions. Whether I go to schools, colleges, universities or whatever I do, all the knowledge that I gain is so that I can gain certain skills, certain abilities so that I can perform certain kinds of actions, by performance of which I can acquire desirable things in my life. Ultimately, even the activities of the intellect are directed by the need to have the desirable experiences, the experience of what we call the pleasure, the pursuit of pleasure and avoiding the pain. So subtler than the intellect also is there is a self, intellectual self. So first is what you may call the physical self. Subtler than that and interior is what we call the vital air self. Subtler than that also is the emotional self. Subtler than that, interior to that, controlling that is the intellectual self. And even controlling that, subtler than that, is what we call the happy self. Happy means the self seeking happiness. Is it the subtlest of my being? Taitri Upanishad explains, even when I feel happy, I feel happy because of what? Even that I am happy, even that is also not the ultimate nature of mine, that because of which I become happy, what is that? That is the very self, that is Brahma, the Brahman the self, which is the nature of happiness, is when that is experienced, that I feel happy. And therefore, even subtler than the happy self is the very self, which is the nature of happiness. I am happy is one thing, and happiness even is the content or essence of this happy person. <coughs> so happiness or fullness, Brahma Pucham Pratishtha, Brahma ultimately is the true self. And in this manner Upanishads pursue the inquiry as to who am I? And when we pursue different ways you can do this. Different Upanishads do it in different ways. Ultimately we come to know that what I look upon as a limited or individual being, having all kinds of limitations, that that is not the true nature of mind, that really what I am is Brahman, the limitless. That is what is meant as Svabhavaha Adhyatma Muchyade. Hey, the expression of Brahman at the level of the individual self is nothing but my own being. So that Brahman, Aksharam, which is immutable, which is the very substratum of the whole universe, he is also my very self, and thus that expresses as the very self. So this is the expression of Brahman at the level of the individual being, as adhya, as Svabhava, as my own being, my own self. <coughs> Aksharam, so kim tad Brahma, kim adhyatmam, kim karma. And third thing Arjuna asks is, what is meant by karma? <coughs> then Lord Krishna says, Bhuta bhavod bhavakaraha visargaha karma sanyitaha. Very interesting reply Lord Krishna gives. What is karma? What is action? What does action do? In fact, Lord says that that very Brahman or God is manifest as action. So this word karma is defined here. Bhuta bhav udbhavakaraha. So that which causes the creation of the being, 
विसर्ग ऑफरिंग विसर्ग मीन्स ऑफरिंग दिस इज सेड विथ रेफरेंस टू ए टिपिकल और कन्वेंशनल सेक्रिफिशियल सेरेमनी एज वी नो विच इज कॉल्ड यज्ञ वेर वी क्रिएट एन ऑल्टर एंड लाइट ऑफ द फायर एंड इनवोक गॉड्स इन दैट फायर एंड मेक ऑफरिंग through this process of offering it's not that we just throw things in the fire we don't throw things in fire some people say what are you doing hey, you are wasting all this material simply burning it in fire the uh, very interesting ways of worshiping god when many devoted people when they even go to a river a holy river all rivers are holy anyway but then some rivers are even holier than others they worship the river How do they worship the river? One of the ways of worshiping is they pour milk in the river. So reciting some chanting and so forth, they pour milk in the water. Hey, this is just a waste. This water is, you know, it just uh, it gets lost in the river. I mean, the milk. Or, as I said, when you perform this yagna or the sacrificial ceremonies, rituals, then in the fire we make offering. it is not done to the fire it is done to the god so we invoke god in the fire and to them the offering is made but really what is meant by yajna or what is meant by sacrifice or what is meant by worship is this act of offering to god that's all and so in bhagavad gita lord krishna gives a very a more wide wider definition or wider explanation of what is meant by yajna In the Vedic times, the word yajna is confined to this conventional yajna, as we understand, where offerings are made to the deities, where these who are invoked in the fire. For Lord Krishna says, "No, that alone need not be called yajna, because there also what makes it yajna or, or sacrifice is that very act of offering or the spirit of offering, and therefore any kind of an action." which is performed with the spirit of offering will be called yajna and what does this yajna do bhuta bhavat bhavakarah it is a yajna or the whole spirit of offering which is responsible for the creation of this whole universe in the third chapter lord krishna explained this is see this is a vedic way of explaining or the vedic model different models are given so this one model is given Lord Krishna explains in the third chapter. Here you can look. All the beings are, all the bodies are created from food. Says yes. The food is created from water. Yes. Or from the rains. The rains are created because of what? Rains are created because of yajna. Yajna means the sacrifice. That means the spirit of sacrifice. See, rains generally. are an indication of prosperity lord krishna explains that that the prosperity is there because of the spirit of offering a spirit of sacrifice <coughs> so wherever a group of people are maybe living a life wherein this spirit of cooperation offering is maintained you will find that society prosperous and so anyway this is how it is explained how the creation of the whole universe is possible because of the spirit of yajna and bhagavad gita instead is explained also that this is a spirit in fact that pervades everywhere in the whole universe and that will we will come to that <coughs> because of the yajna that is being explained how this spirit of yajna is prevalent everywhere in the universe how different elements of the nature are constantly performing yajna even sun surya also is constantly performing yajna he is a karma yogi sun is a great karma yogi so he constantly performs his karma in the in the spirit of offering not only the sun uh, illumines our path by giving us a light but sun also gives us the energy at the same time by his heat the sun is constantly evaporating water from all the water reservoirs and converting that water into vapor and into the clouds and into the rain and so it is because the yajna performed by the sun and the moon both of them that the clouds and the rain is possible 
In this, if we look at all the various elements of nature, we find that all of them live or all of them function in the spirit of yajna. The earth also constantly performs yajna in the sense of offering, nourishing, without any any reward or any kind of an expectation of return, even if you abuse it. Of course, in India, people who worship earth also is God. But not everybody. Many people abuse it also. Some people kick, pollute, all kinds of things are done. And still, the earth continues to support and nourish. Water also. Water also is looked upon as, as sacred. So there in the rivers are also worshipped. It's not that everybody worships. Even when you go to the Ganges, there are some people who are so devotedly worshipping the river and performing the prayers and making offerings. Right there, there are many people who are fouling up the place also. But then, the river continues to serve them, continues to remove their thirst, continues to clean their bodies, continues to nourish them without any kind of an expectation. And this is how it is with all the elements of nature. Thun. All is everybody, regardless of how there's no, no distinction or discrimination between the sinner and the saint. The space accommodates everybody. And space also conveys the sound. Space doesn't say that, hey, this fellow is saying good words and therefore I will convey sound to longer distance. And this fellow is using bad words so I'll keep the sound right there. No such thing. It's also done without any discrimination at all. The idea is that it is in the spirit of yajna alone that the whole universe is constructed or the whole universe functions with the spirit of sacrifice or spirit of offering. <coughs> it is because of that that the creation, sustenance, all of this is possible. And so, it is also said in the, in the Smritis that when you perform any action in the spirit of this yajna the offering, that very action gets converted in a subtle way and all these subtle effects, they all of them get accumulated. And the accumulated effect then bring about the results of the, the results in the form of this creation. <coughs> so Lord Krishna says, Bhuta So Lord Krishna says, Here Arjuna, understand that I, that spirit of Yajna also is I. That very karma, that very offering also is I. In that way, I myself manifest as a karma. So I am Param Brahma, as the very soul of the universe. I am the Swabhava, as the very self of every living being. And I am also the karma, the action that is, that is responsible for the creation and sustenance of the universe. <coughs> okay, then continuing, in the fourth verse, Lord Krishna says, Actually, what is said about the karma in the, in the scriptures is that you make the ahutis, you know, that is, uh, make oblations, uttering the name of the God or deity, Indraya Swaha, Varunaya Swaha, Prajapate Swaha, this is how we offer. That every oblation gets converted into uh, a subtle effect and gets accumulated in the sun, Aditya. And from there it comes down as the rain. This is how they explain. <coughs> okay. Then further in the fourth verse we are told. Adibhutam Ksharo Bhavaha. Adibhutam Ksharo Bhavaha. Purushaschadhi Daivatam. Purushaschadhi Daivatam. Adhi Yajnyohamevatra. Adhi yajnyo hame vatra Dehe deha bhrutamvara Dehe deha bhrutamvara Adhibhutam sharobhava And next question of Arjuna was What is Adhibhutam? Oh Lord, what is your expression with reference to Bhuta? Bhuta means the beings and Bhuta means elements. So what is your expression with reference to the elements? <coughs> Lord Krishna says, Ksharo Bhavaha. What is central being is subject to decline, Ksharaha. So Lord Krishna says, whatever is Ksharaha, 
whatever is subject to change, whatever is perishable, that is the Adibhuta. In short, Lord Krishna says, I am the one that manifests also as a changing and perishing universe. So this body in fact, this body is made up of the five elements. Everything is made up of five elements. That's our model. The whole universe is made up of the combination of five elements. These five elements being space, air, fire, water and earth. And thus we find all the five the each element has its own characteristic. The characteristic of space is sound. The characteristic of air is touch. The characteristic of fire is the guna, or the quality of fire is color or form. The quality of water is taste. And the quality of earth is smell. So the unique quality of earth, smell. Unique quality of water, taste. Unique quality of fire, form or color. Unique quality of air is touch and unique quality of space is sound. And so, wherever you find sound, you know that space is present. And so this body, when it falls down or strikes against something, it makes a sound. That means the space is there. Whatever you can touch, you know that air is there. Whatever has a form and color, know that fire is there. Whatever has a taste, know that water is there. Whatever has a smell, know that earth is there. So body is all of this. It has smell also, taste also, touch also, color also, form also, sound also. Thus we say that this body is made up of five elements. And this is true of any object. So these objects which make sound, that cannot be unless space is there. I can touch it, air is there. It is a form and color, fire is there. It is a taste also. If you take a little piece of this, it is a taste, water, and it has a smell, that is earth. <coughs> this is called bhuta. These five elements are called bhuta. <coughs> bhuta means element. How many are there? Five elements, I mean you say. And all the gross or the tangible creation, including our body, all of that we see is said to be made up of these five elements. <coughs> this is what we call a model. So this is a Vedic model of explaining this, the universe. There are different ways of looking upon how the, the world is made, but this is one simple way. It is a very convenient way also. This, you may have heard this word prapancha in Sanskrit, prapancha. Pancha means five. So we see everywhere this combination of five. So within again our personality also we see this five thing. So Thus there are these objects of the world made of the five elements possessing these five qualities as I said Shabdas, Parsha, Rupa, the sound, touch, color, taste and smell and we are also endowed with five organs of perception to perceive or experience those five elements. Thus we have faculty of hearing with which we perceive the sound. A faculty of touch with which we experience the touch that is the element air. We have this faculty of seeing with which we perceive the colors and form. We have the faculty of taste, with which we perceive the taste. And we have the faculty of smelling, with which we perceive the smell. So it's convenient that there are five-fold objects, and to experience those five-fold objects, we have the five-fold senses. And then we have five organs of perception, five organs of action also we have. <coughs> so all these five elements, five kinds of objects, five kinds of qualities, five organs of perception, five organs of action, five pranas, everything is all five. So this universe which is sort of a combination of this five is called prapancha. <coughs> and so this, this is one way of looking at the whole universe which is made up of five elements. And one thing about this elemental creation is that it is constantly changing. It is the nature of these elements to constantly change and thus we find everything is perishable even though something may be perishable faster than others and certain things may look like going on forever but still everything constantly changes and everything that is created is in the process of slowly exhausting itself perishing and then ultimately coming to its end <coughs> so Lord Krishna says 
This elemental creation, this creation made of five elements, which is characterized by being perishable, that also is I. So this is how I manifest also as this perishable or changing creation made up of five elements. Therefore, although we say that the body I am not, and the prana I am not, and the mind I am not, but that also ultimately that alone also is God. So this body that is made of five elements and constantly changing and ultimately perishing also is expression of God. My prana's vital air also expression of God. My mind, intellect, all of these are also said to be made up of the five elements, subtle state. They are also so this personality. Thus we've been saying that this I is a union of the two ele- two principles, the person and the personality, spirit and matter, purusha and prakriti. The spirit or the person is is Brahman. At the same time, this personality made up of the body, sense organs, the mind, intellect, which is all created from the five elements, all of that also is nothing but God. So ultimately, Lord Krishna, everything is God, and we have to recognize Him as such. So body also is God, or that is also expression of God. So also prana, so also sense organs, so also mind, so also intellect. This what we call the personality also is a perishable expression of God. Himself is imperishable, but what is perishable also is nothing but his own expression, his own manifestation. <coughs> Adibhutam Sharobhavaha. The next it is said, Purushascha Adhidaivatam. And what is centered on the Devatas is Purush Hiranyagarbha. <coughs> this word is new for everybody. The translation says Hiranyagarbha. Wow, Hiranyagarbha. Hiranya means gold or golden. Garbha. Garbha means the womb. The golden womb. You know what is the womb? Womb is the causal state before the child, you know, before the manifest expression of the child, it is in the form of embryo in the womb. Similarly also, before the whole universe becomes manifest, it is in a, in a state of what we call the embryo or the womb. It is in the subtle state and the subtle alone becomes the gross. <coughs> so the, the way of looking at the creation is from the cause, causal state, comes the subtle state and from the subtle state comes the gross state. Anyway, you try to understand this, otherwise it's not very important, but whatever you can understand will be fine. To explain this creation in another way with reference to our day-to-day experiences that I go to sleep and let us say that I'm fast asleep and the waking up process takes place in two stages. The first stage is that I have, I, I, am, I wake up half or half awake I am. That is what we call the state of dreaming. Where I'm not totally sleeping, not totally awake or I'm half sleeping and half awake, this is a state of dream. You can call it the, the half waking state. And from then, I come to the waking state, which is the full waking state. So deep sleep or sound sleep, dreaming and waking. This sound sleep, this is called the causal state. The dream is called the subtle state. And waking is called the gross state. Gross, subtle, causal. <clears throat> like the seed is the cause. From that comes the sprout, that is subtle. From that comes the whole tree, which we call grass. These are the stages of manifestation. So this Hiranyagarbha is the subtle state. So from the causal state of the whole universe, the first expression is the totality of subtle body. Or the whole universe is in a subtle state, in a, in a thought state, in a dream state like. Just as my whole personality is in the sound sleep, then the whole personality is in, my, in the dream state, and the whole personality is in the waking state. So you can imagine the universe also. It's first the whole universe is sound asleep in the causal state, and then it half, half wakes up. That is what we call the subtle state. And that state is called Hiranyagarbha. And then it becomes fully awake, which is what we call the whole tangible creation. So that is called Virat. So these are the names. 
So Lord Krishna says, even the totality of all the subtle bodies, that also I am. It's a gross body. So that made up of five gross elements, that is a perishable expression, that I am. Then we have what we call the subtle body, consisting of the mind and the prana and sense organs. Lord Krishna says, that also I am. <coughs> that is called here Purushaha or Hiranyagarbha. So Purushascha Adhidaivadam. That is my manifestation with reference to the Devata, the cosmic forces. <coughs> See, all these words are used here and they are based on a lot of things uh, that are said elsewhere. And for us to understand every, all these words, we may have to get into certain details which are not so important. All that is important here is to recognize how God alone is manifest in various aspects of the universe. That is the most important thing. So what we perceive before us is a tangible or the gross creation. And we know that this creation, various, various uh, the phenomena taking place in the creation, they are all controlled by certain cosmic forces. Like the phenomenon of light. For every phenomenon there is what we call a presiding deity. So sun is the presiding deity of light. He is also said to be the presiding deity of the faculty of seeing. And therefore it is sun because of whom we are able to see. What the sun does is, sun first of all illumines this object. You say no Swami, sun does not illumine the object. Very sunlight here. It is this light, you know, the bulb that illumines the object. Which is true. But is it not that ultimately the light coming from the bulb also comes from sunlight? The light coming from the bulb comes because of electricity. Electricity comes from where? From some power generating station. Where it is created from some form of energy. Whether it is thermal energy, that is whether you burn coal or whether you burn gas or whether you burn oil or nuclear, some energy. Ultimately that coal or the petroleum, all of these is nothing but the transformation of energy of sun. So the whole earth of course is, is, is a product of sun. And the earth functions also because of the energy constantly provided by the sun. As I said, the sun performs yajna and is responsible for the rain, responsible for movement of the air, responsible for everything. All of us are nothing but in some ways transformation of sunlight. So that sun, the energy of the sun gets transformed as coal or as petroleum or as whatever and that alone is transformed again as electricity and transformed as light and therefore wherever any energy is, the source is only sun. So sun is looked upon as the presiding deity of the faculty of seeing. It is because of his light that the objects are illumined and therefore our eyes can see. Our eyes can be there but if the objects are not illumined by the light, we cannot see them. Not only that these objects are illumined by the sun, our eyes are also illumined by the sun because in the eyes also there is a light. If the light is not there, I would be a blind person. The fact that my eyes see is because of the light provided in the eyes, that also is provided by the sun. The subtle aspect of the sun. That's how we say that the sun is the deciding deity of the faculty of seeing. Similarly, all these various faculties we have, all of them are presided over by different what we call devatas that I can lift my arm and I can perform actions with the help in my arm is because there is a blessing or grace of its presiding deity who is Indra. <coughs> I can walk this motion in my legs because of the favor of the presiding deity is called Vishnu and so on and so forth. I can breathe it is because of air, the vayu, the presiding deity that sustains my life. It is Varuna, the presiding deity of water, is because of which my thirst is quenched in whatever. It is Agni, the presiding deity of heat, because of which the, the digestion takes place and the body is it maintains. So you can imagine, for every function that takes place in our body, we in fact, that is possible because we enjoy the grace or favor of some or the other cosmic phenomenon, which are called Devatas which are called the gods or the presiding deities. And thus we see the whole universe also functions because of these presiding deities, the gods, 
and even our body also functions because of the favor of these gods or presiding deities. <coughs> of course, the doctors will laugh at all these kind of things. Where is this sun? You know, when we perform surgery on the eyes, we don't see any sun anywhere. So we don't see it because these deities are, are in a certain form. They are not in the tangible form with by that is we can see by the sense organs, but they are in the subtle form. But the thing is that there are various forms of prayers given in our books as to what kind of a devata that we should worship for what kind of ailment or what kind of a favor. And so in India traditionally people perform all kinds of worships. If you want progeny, worship this devata. You want health, worship this devata. You want wealth, worship this devata. Your problem with your eyes, worship another devata, Surya devata. And you know, thus, even today also, this kind of worships are, are being performed, which we may of course dismiss them as superstition, but the idea is that this is based on the fact that is known by the Vedic seers, that this individual is a whole part of the cosmos, and the whole cosmos is there in a, you know, in this, at, the, at the micro level also, the whole macrocosm is there, and therefore, whatever is found in the universe, is also to be found in the individual. There is a correspondence between the individual and the total. And the individual exists because of the favor constantly received from the totality. And that's the reason why if we live a life which is in tune with the total order, then there is harmony and health in the life. And if we live a life which is in violation to the obtaining order, there is all kinds of conflict and disease. Anyway, so idea is that there is this whole world of devatas or whole world of what we call these gods of presiding deities. They are supposed to be living in the heavens. Earth is a place for all the human beings and then the intermediate space where the, where the departed souls live and heavens is where the gods live. This is a way of saying. Uh, and that is why even God also very often is described as possessing a human form. The whole universe is the body of the God and different limbs just as we have in our body. Similarly also the cosmic being has different limbs. And the heavens is looked upon as his head and earth looked upon as his feet. The air looked upon as his breath. And uh, sun looked upon as his eyes. Moon looked upon as his mind. Whatever. So this is how the cosmic form is looked upon as, as, a, as a being as a universal being or a cosmic being. Because as we see here, that how my body is made up of so many limbs. Each limb performs a different function. But how there is a harmony in, in all the limbs? How all the limbs function in the spirit of harmony and cooperation? Thank God that they don't compete with each other. Otherwise it would be very difficult. When the two legs compete with each other, the right leg says that I want to go forward. The left leg says I want Not only that, but each limb cooperates with the whole body. In fact, each limb functions not for itself, but functions for the well-being of the whole body. That's why when I eat food, it goes to stomach. But stomach doesn't retain all that food. Stomach can say, I will not let anybody else have the benefit of that food, and all the food can remain in the stomach. The whole body along with stomach will perish. If any one of the limbs becomes selfish like that, not only it will affect the cell, it will affect the whole body. One cell starts growing. Every cell is supposed to cooperate with every other cell. This one cell breaks this law or rule and starts growing. You know, we have a tumor. In fact, ultimately that affects the entire body. So that whole spirit of yajna or that cooperation we can see in this body. And similarly also we see all the different Elements and all the different forces in the universe also are all functioning in the spirit of cooperation and harmony. And thus all these functions are said to be performed by the different devatas. So that is the reason why of course when we look upon this whole universe as an expression of God, or similar, naturally all the various cosmic forces which are responsible for the various phenomena in the universe are also looked upon as expressions of God. And that is why we worship these different deities or different devatas. 
for us fire also is God earth also is God and air also is God sun also is God moon also is God in reality people worship sun people worship moon people worship earth people worship water people worship all this <coughs> and uh, but swami what's the proof and they say the only way we can say is always the correspondence between the microcosm and the macrocosm so lord krishna says all these devatas all the cosmic forces all the presiding deities that also i am so all the purushascha adhidevatam adhidevatam means that is my expression with reference to the devatas or my expression with reference to these various cosmic forces that that is how i manifest so this elemental world that is also my kshara meaning my expression as a perishable being and this elemental creation is governed by what we call the devatas so what we perceive is the creation elemental creation made of five elements but this visible or tangible creation is controlled by what we call this subtle expression called devatas or those gods that is my uh, divine expression or the expression with reference to devatas this world is my expression with reference to the uh, elements and the five elements includes my gross body the devatas include my subtle body so devatas include my organs of perception organs of action my mind intellect this is called the subtle body that is included in the devatas lord krishna says there also i am adhibhutam kshara bhavah purushascha adhidevatam adhiyagnyoham evatra and i am all, i am alone what is centered on the ritual here in this body lord krishna says i am the yagna yagna also i am that means that i am the one who presides over all the yagna or all these worship yagna also means worship so this is a ritual also is nothing but a form of worship so i am the yagna i am that very worship which takes place in this body as i said in this body also the yagna is constantly taking place in as much as all the different parts of the body they function in the spirit of cooperation the spirit of cooperation is called yagna in the universe also all the various elements function in the spirit of cooperation that is also yagna so lord krishna says that very principle of yagna that also is my expression which maintains the harmony in the entire universe so that yagna also i am now you think of what remains does this take care of everything or not it takes care of everything the universe the world that we perceive made of five elements lord says that is the elemental expression of me <coughs> the cosmic forces which control these visible elements are called the devatas lord says that is the divine expression of me or the cosmic expression of me that spirit of yajna or the sacrifice or cooperation based on which all these elements and devatas function lord krishna says that yajna or the speed of cooperation for the worship that also i am and aksharam brahman the very self which is the manifestation of god as my very self lord krishna says that also i am and that which is the substrate on this whole universe including the self that is brahman that i am so in the morning we discussed how aksharam immutable or imperishable is that which is devoid of all the attributes that is the ultimate and primary nature of lord but that very action and very immutable also is manifest as rest of the creation so this is how lord krishna gives an an explanation <coughs> and even the very karma that very karma means the spirit of offering lord krishna says which is responsible for the creation that also i am so this is how lord krishna shows his five fold manifestation the primary nature is aksharam brahma paramam primarily i am immutable the limitless but that alone manifests as the elemental creation as a divine creation 
as a karma, as a spirit of yajna, and as the very self of all the living beings. Adhiyajnyohamevatra. <coughs> also, adhiyajna means that he is the karma adhyaksha, the presiding deity of all the karma action. He is also karma faladata, the presiding deity that gives the result of all the actions. Adhiyajna. So it is because of my grace that any action can be performed. It is because of my grace alone that the hands and legs and all these limbs function. It is because of my grace alone that the various materials are there because with which to perform an action. It is because of my grace alone that even opportunity and skills to perform the action is there. And so all of that is I. And the result that comes as a result of performing the action, the giver of the result also is I. Not only I am the giver of the result, the result also is I. So karma also is I, the karma for the data also I am, and the very result also I am. <coughs> Dehe, Dehe Vrutamvara. Arjuna is addressed here as Dehe Vrutamvara. Almost exalted. Dehe Vrut means human beings here. Almost exalted among all the beings. Dehe Vrut means any living being. Here, almost exalted among the beings, Arjuna, this is what I am. So Lord Krishna addresses Arjuna as the most exalted among all the beings. What makes Arjuna the most exalted? What more exalted thing can be there that he is talking to Lord Krishna? Isn't it that Arjuna is how blessed he is that he has the benefit of a constant dialogue with Lord Krishna? And that is not possible unless he must have been really a deserving person. <coughs> so, with that in mind, Lord Krishna addresses him as Deha Bhrutam, where the most exalted among the living beings. <coughs> Thus, in these two verses, Lord Krishna answers six questions of Arjuna. The seventh question, the answer will begin from the fifth verse. That is the answer to the seventh question, which will continue. Om Purnamada Purnamidam Purnat Purnamudachade Purnasya Purnamadaya Purnameva Vashashade Om Shanti 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 Shankaram Shankaracharyam Keshavam Badarayanam Sutra Bhashakrutavande Bhagavanta Punafuna Ishvaro Guruatmede Murti Veda Vibhagine Vyoma Vadvyata Dehaya Dakshinamurthaye Namaha Om Shantishantishantihi Hari Om Shri Guru Namaha Hari Om